in space. No one can hear you scream. Unless you have a podcast. It's Space Castle! Join three nerds. I'm GT. I'm Alex. And I'm Seth. As they hurtle through space, debating movies, books, games, and answering your pop culture questions. All to maintain their own sanity. Space Castle. Your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. Available wherever pods are casted. I think we are old. I mean, in, in many ways. I'm old. I feel it. My body tells me I'm old every day. It, your body's a dick. My body is a dick right now, but... But you don't look it. You look good. Yeah. Only because <laughs> I pay a lot for this hair. <laughs> well, it looks phenomenal. Thanks. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Oh, no. My hair's decided to do whatever it's going to do. So when you get bangs, y'all. Oh, don't do bangs. I already have bangs. I have bangs. See? Hit it. They're I just know. growing out. I know. Just... Why do you... Why? You're like my husband. He fucking hates my bangs. I don't hate your bangs. It's just you hate your bangs. And then you'll grow them out and then you'll do the bangs. Yeah. And you hate the bangs. Yeah. And you grow... Why? It's a cycle. I don't know. It's because I get bored with my hair and I feel the need to like do something. So I do something. Yeah. And here I we mean, are. I'm bored with my hair. I've had the same hair for a long time, but the girl that does my hair, I love her so much because she's like, no, we're not doing anything else to your hair. <laughs> she's like, no, that's not going to happen. Right. Like, my hair's so thick, like, she won't cut it shorter than a certain length because she knows that my hair's so thick that you can't cut it shorter than a certain length. She won't color it lighter than a certain color because she knows with my skin tone it'll look like shit. She won't color it darker because she knows with my skin tone, it'll wash me out. And she's like, I love this red. We're never changing it. And I'm like, no, okay. <laughs> You're like, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, she's, she's got your shit down. Yeah. And then when I ask her to do something different, she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I'm sure we're doing it. And she's like, okay. And she does it. And then when I'm like, yeah, we're going back. She's like, yeah, I told you six weeks ago. So you do it too, kind of. Kind of. When was the last time you saw my hair different? Oh gosh, months ago, months ago. When it had like bright red in it. Well, that's when I get my hair done. Like if you were to put my hair in the light, it'd be a bright red now. No, I mean like you had like streaks of bright red. It would look like highlights. Oh yeah. Do we not talk about that time? Was it a dark time? No, that was more like years ago. Are you sure? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what year it is anymore, dude. Yeah, now it's just bright red, and then underneath the bright red, it's like a um, purplish kind of, and then my roots are like, what is naturally, bro? <laughs> <laughs> what is, sure, <laughs> what we're going to call natural. Yeah, anywhere. Naturally made in a bowl. <laughs> so the point is, everybody's got hair concerns. <laughs> well, my hair's so 
freaking fine that it just doesn't do anything I want it to. And my hair is so freaking thick that um, I can't do anything. Same. So it's like same thing, two sides of the same coin, essentially. Mm-hmm. Too thick, mm-hmm. too thin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, bangs, man. Like, I would love a... I would love one of those really cute, short, like, lobs. Yeah, you look great in a lob. No, I wouldn't. With my thick hair, you cut it short, it just froze. Because not only is my hair thick, it's, like, not curly because it's so thick. It pulls it down. It just froze. Oh, so it just curls up and, like... It, it doesn't even curl. It just froze. It, it just frizzes out. It's horrible. This right here is because I got my hair done yesterday, and she blow dried it straight with a curl brush and then went in with her straightener oh got it that's why my hair looks good today is because i got it done yesterday do you do brazilian blowouts no is your hair too thick for them i just don't want to pay for it okay because i because that's when they like straighten your hair like with a chemicals and stuff right okay okay okay. oh and my hair um stylist she doesn't do them because there's formaldehyde in those Oh. Or one, there's formaldehyde in one of them, and she just doesn't mess with any of them. Hmm. She doesn't do them. That's good, though. You know, protect your hair. Also, with another girl, I priced it one time, and I looked at her. I was like, okay, thanks. And I laughed real hard when I walked away. And you were like, that's a lot. Because my hair is so thick and so long that it just... Yeah, it's time. and Plus, it's also product to color it. So I'm sure it's, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. 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 I feel you. Yeah. Well, it looks great. Thanks. I just get it colored, and then she, like, blow dries it with a round brush to straighten it, and then she hits it with her straightener, and I'm like, thanks, this will last me all week until I have to wash it. <laughs> and I'm done. That's awesome. Man, if I didn't if I didn't wash my hair for a week, it would be, like, grease. Like, I can't even... Oh, not my... I, Every other day at best. I wash my hair on Mondays. and then God, it, so lucky. And then I, I wash my hair Monday mornings, and then I put it in a towel while I get ready for work, do my makeup, blah, blah, blah. And then by the time I get to work, it's like this big, giant fro ball. <laughs> and then I got to put it in a bun. And then if my job is lucky, I'll straighten it the next morning. If not, we're in a bun again the next day until I feel like straightening it. Which could be all week, which could be the next two weeks, which could be the next day. It's a crapshoot, y'all. Yeah. Because straightening my hair is not like a 10-minute process. How does it take you to straighten your hair? Um, Depending on what I use to straighten it, because I have a straightener that's like a brush one, or I have a straightener that's like a straightener. Depending on what I use and what I'm doing while I do it, I can get it done in like 20, 25 minutes. Wow. But then it's like, um, it depends on how fast I do it and how OCD I am about it. Like how straight do you really want it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Man. It's just so crazy because like for me, I'm like, I hit it maybe five minutes and I'm like, I also can't do it for very long because otherwise I'll burn the hell out of it and it'll just break right off. <laughs> so I've been trying through this whole time to not color or use product or heat style my hair at all. And it's only until recently that I've just been like, I'm going to have to like start blow drying it a little bit to make it kind of calm down because my hair is naturally like curly wavy. Yeah. I So 
because my hair is dark, mm-hmm. it's dark naturally, but I also dye it dark. But I start, my grays are getting worse, and then it starts growing in gray, and I can tell. Like, I get my hair done every six weeks. Like, it's all in the books for six weeks. For the next, like, 12 months, I already have my, or 12 weeks, I already have my appointments scheduled out. But I, and I don't even know when they are. Like, I will get a reminder on Tuesday. I'm like, oh, my appointment's Saturday. And then you go like, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm like, okay, great. But I can kind of tell by, like, by how my grays are starting to grow. And I'm like, oh, my appointment better be coming up because this is not good. You're not feeling it. I'm like, <laughs> When you have dark hair and your grays start growing in, it looks worse than when you have blonde hair. It's intense. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so mine, I'm like, I have grays too. And uh, I have like medium brown hair. So it's, sometimes you can pass it off. Oh, that's the light. But. Oh, I can't yeah, pass no. the shit off as the light. <laughs> I've tried to tell her we're going to go blonde and she just laughs at me. She's, she's like, like, uh-huh. No. She's like, girl, you crazy. We ain't, we ain't going. For me to go blonde, it'd be like a 35 step process. Oh yeah. And it'd take weeks. Weeks and weeks. Months. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming to Hair Talk, y'all. <laughs> Thank you for... Yeah, why did we just... What, I don't why, know. Well, why? you know, it's, it's shit people go through. It's real life. You know, we're all going through hair troubles and concerns. Any other updates? Yes, we do have some updates, actually. First off, we have new stickers. New stickers! I'm sure you, if mm, you for, mm, follow mm. us on all our socials, which um, you should if you don't, because... I personally think that our social media posts are like the best in town. Why is that, Amanda? I make them. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying, um, you know, Twitter is C underscore podcast. Is that what it is? Yeah, C underscore podcast, C-E-E. And then, you know, Instagram, see you next Tuesday podcast. Easy. Same on TikTok. Um, and then of course on all of our social medias, there's link tree. So you can link in the bio to our latest episodes, our stickers, our stickers, yeah. which we got new ones. Oh my God. We are obsessed with them. Pixie dust. Yes. Pixie dust. Rock and monkey makes the best stickers. Yeah. So check rock and monkey out for sure. They, they definitely came through with ours we have plenty to share. So please go donate whatever you feel like to the stickers. They're definitely a labor of love. They help us a ton with our like hosting fees and all the other set of fees and mm-hmm. new equipment for the future and all this uh-huh. other stuff yes um there are many things we'd like to do um and there's a lot of financial responsibilities for us to bring this to you yeah and we pay out of pocket for that and so it'd be really lovely yeah. if you would contribute to this labor of love that we have yes i like that um also patreon only series is up now it's the duggers the duggers please go check it out also talk about labor of love that is a labor of love for me because i'm obsessed with them it's weird no it's 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 honestly fascinating because i'm getting more into them too because i'm doing my research for the episodes i'm doing so weird i i'm so embarrassed admitting that i am obsessed with the duggers because i'm not religious well, I mean, that's why you're obsessed, right? Because you're not. I. It's the religion and it's the whole um, baby aspect. Like baby after baby after baby after baby. And this whole um, 
having as many kids as God will allow situation, which I want to revisit that statement in just a second, because no, it's biology. Yeah. It, it, it is a kudugu and a dingling joining forces with the sperms and the eggs. It's biology. It's science. It's that, yeah. That's what we're, it is. We're an animal. We're animals. We're, we're on this earth to procreate and make more of us and has nothing to do with and God. Honestly, Sorry. If you do believe in your religion, we're not negating your religion by any means. We're simply saying that we are biological creatures and this is how we procreate. And, and honestly, that? that that's what happens when you bow, chicka, bow, bow. And honestly, I do it for fun. I don't do it to procreate. And God is not there while I'm doing it. Oh, God. I, and I just hated, you know, when I, uh, first marriage, uh, the, we was very Christian based. And the idea was like, there's three people in your marriage, you, your husband, and God. And just the thought of like God creeping in the corner while you're having sex was always like so disturbing to me. It definitely took me out of the moment many, many times. Yeah. So I actually had a coworker the other day say, um, and I'm glad we brought this up. She just had a baby recently Mm -hmm. and somebody asked her if they were going to have more children. And, you know, honestly, y'all, we got to stop asking people this. Yeah, for real. It's not, it's not our business, for one. <laughs> but um, she just had a baby, like, five months ago or some bullshit like that. And so somebody asked her if they were going to have more children or if they wanted more children or if they want to stop at this many children. And um, she said... If God wants me to have more, we'll have more. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, well, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Right. There's so many ways you can actually plan for children now. There's Or ways... not plan for children. Exactly. There's like so many different contraceptive choices you can make now. And also, I will say this. I have also said that whenever we were asked, again, my first marriage, um, oh, when are you guys going to have children? And it was like an easy way to just get people off my ass, especially in Texas where everyone believes for the most part in the Christian God. And so it's just easier to be like, oh, whenever God wants us to, just to say it because you're just like, God, why are you asking me? Like, I mean, so... I just... You just can't? I just can't. Well, there's more things that I know about this person, and I really don't feel it's my business to divulge it. Right, right. Even though this is kind of an anonymous situation, um, somewhat at this point. There's just, like, ways but at, to... But it could become not an anonymous situation, and it's not my business to say. So, I'm like... Sis. Right. Yeah. There's plenty of ways to have or not have children now. Right. And so, I'm like... Even when the Duggars throw that line out there, I'm like... No, it's simple biology of you have sex. What was I calling them? Oh, dick. Oh, I don't even remember. Winky, I think. A winky woo. (laughs) 
Why are you... I do think it's interesting that you, like, censor penis and vagina. I hate the word penis and I hate the word vagina. And yet you say cunt all the time. I know. I like cunt. I'm just saying. I like the word cunt referring to a person, but I don't like it referring to the actual An body. actual... Uh-huh. So... Okay. I don't know. I, I don't like the word dick. I don't like the word penis. I like the word dick referring to an actual human being. Okay. But referring to the body part, I don't know. Um, penis is just so medical. It is very medical. I don't like it. It's like vagina. You're like, oh. Yeah, I don't like it. Mm. So I really like kudaku. <laughs> that's my favorite. Mine's snatch. I think that's fun and cute. Uh-huh. Um, and I haven't landed on like... One for penis. Yeah, that one's a tough one. Yeah, because it's like, what what could, you know, you basically, yeah. So, continue. You were saying winky what? Do you winky remember? <laughs> so when the winky woo enters the kudaku. Oh, is this sex ed now? Welcome to sex ed talk. <laughs> you know, if you're not doing something to prevent pregnancy... Your You're going to get pregnant. Your chances are pretty high. Your chances are pre- pretty high of getting pregnant. That's just fucking science. Right. Because our bodies are... We are built as human beings to procreate. Now, the gender you're given that you are assigned at birth doesn't mean that that's actually your gender either. We also understand that gender is a construct. Sexuality... Is has nothing to do with gender. Correct. Now, this one... Okay. I will admit, I'm older than you. And now, I am understanding this and embracing this. Uh-huh. My husband has the hardest time with this. But you know what? The cutest thing is, he is trying. Yeah, yeah. He is trying. It is the cutest thing ever because the pod daughter's roommate there's no way anybody's ever gonna link this up mm-hmm. she the pod daughter's roommate he goes by he him okay and so i have adopted him as my own because his parents are not aware of this yet mm-hmm. he has not come out um where he is from I personally am concerned this could be an issue. It it probably is not going to be. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, oh my God, I love him so much already. He can be my child. He can come here. You know, we'll, we'll take him on as our own. Right. Um, But the pod honey is like, I'm going to have questions because I don't understand. <laughs> and it's not, and it's not demoralizing right because he wants to understand right and he doesn't personally know anyone and so he's like so does he date men now or does he date women like how does it like he just automatically assumed he was like gay at this point right and i'm like that's not how it works i'm like that's not how this works not, that's not how it is <laughs> i feel like a meme that meme yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and so I I get it, but my husband has a hard time separating the gender from the sexuality. Right, yeah. Because we're older. And also he grew up in like rural Texas. He did grow up in rural Texas and very close-minded, very For him to not be as close-minded as the people 
that he grew up with makes me very proud of him. A hundred percent. And the fact that he's open and curious and wants to understand is important. And I think that's the main thing is like, I think if we all give each other a little grace and saying, look, look, I'm really just trying to understand. I am not trying to offend or dead name or, you know, try to be insulting by any means. Please help me understand. So then I can properly say and do the right thing here. Yeah. And then also I learned something, you know, end of the day. I'm also, I mean, who among us is not learning? So yeah, it's it's important. It's so cute when he tries. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) I'm like, if he ever comes, because whenever there's like a break or whenever the pod daughter comes home, I'm like, if he wants to come home with you, he's more than welcome. We have an extra bedroom, long weekends, things like that. And so, um... I'm like, you can't offend him. Just don't offend him. Right, right, right. Just be chill. Just chillax. Like, but he, it's because he really wants to learn and he really wants to know because it's not something we grew up with. Right, right. In the way that kids nowadays are growing up with it, which I think is good actually, because it's like more open. It's more accepted. It's more like understood or trying to be understood. Yeah, it is cute because I'm like, oh god, what is he gonna say? <laughs> which. Bless his heart would not be said in an offense, meaning in an offensive manner. It right. will 100% come across that way. Right. Yeah. Because he's just like, oh my gosh, you know, he's just trying so hard to I know. And, and so I love him because he is not that typical closed-minded country person um, because he is accepting and he has always said like, if our kids ever feel that way or if our kids ever like the same sex, he's like, I don't fucking care as long as they find the person that they love and that loves them back. I love that. Which is 100% not where he's from. No, God, no. And I know exactly because it's where I grew up too. Very similar mentalities. So. Oh, God. Where he grew up, it would be... Like, I used to play this game when we would see his high school friends when we first got together first got married I would do things I would intentionally bring up things that would send them into a tizzy because I found it entertaining like when I was in high school I dated um somebody who was Hispanic and they'd be like oh my god you're okay with that and he was like I didn't fucking know her yeah and also, who cares? He's who Hispanic. Ca- like, why and would that she matter? she was in high school, and she's married to me now. Yeah, you're, all of these things are wrong, you dumb. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, or um, I had a friend um, that I used to wait tables with that was transgender. Mm-hmm. And um, we would go shopping together, and they'd be like, oh my god, you're okay with um, her hanging out? with them and he's like yeah they're obviously not interested in her yeah like what yeah it's it's just this whole like because they they were male who would dress and act female who wanted to transition to female but was interested in men Mm -hmm. so he was like they're not interested in her yeah and even if and they they were were a lesbian it doesn't matter like, and they were like, this is how close-minded and stupid they are. They're like, 
Aren't you afraid they're faking it? Oh, God. Yeah, like, they're Uh trying to convert or some shit. Like, okay, that's not how this works. And my husband would go, uh, I've met her, no. (laughs) Uh, No, 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 no. I don't think you have to worry about that at all. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, this is actually good. I'm glad because this is going to set up. Well, you'll see. Definitely the children thing is setting up this episode, but then the transgender thing is setting up another episode that I have for you. Exciting. So we're actually kind of like going down a path without you knowing that we're going down a path. Oh, I love that. It's like I know things without no thing knowing things. You tapped in the universe, baby. It's my voodoo witch powers. It's <laughs> like when we were playing Monopoly yesterday and I only landed on community chess, chance, and the pieces I owned. I only owned seven pieces and it took forever to take me out of the game. Oh my god. Yeah, seriously, you've got you're like on the pulse. It's my crystals. Yeah, I'm telling you, girl, you need to buy more lottery tickets. Don't encourage my <laughs> gambling addiction. Your addictions. <laughs> I will send him directly to you. You will have to deal with him. <laughs> Your husband's like, uh, Jesse, can we just not ever say this again, please? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so are you ready to get into today's murderous mother? 152%. I'm going to echo the statement you made last podcast by saying... I am not doing this case. There are children death involved. So if this is not your vibe, please skip this episode. That's totally fine. You're not going to hurt my feelings or anyone's feelings on this podcast. I mean, my feelings will be hurt. You should listen um, in order to um, honor the victims. Yes. And in this case, I will leave it up to y'all what you think happened here because I I am still on the fence. This is one of those. Yeah. Interesting. So. Um, I say interesting. You will find out why. Oh. Maybe on another episode. Oh. Oh. Are you leading me now? <laughs> I like this. Oh, I love it. It's like we called each other and found out what each other was wearing, but we didn't. We actually didn't. <laughs> we never tell each other each other's. Uh-uh. It's secrets. Yeah. Secrets. Yeah, exactly. So well, I'm going back to Australia. Of course. With Kathleen Fulbig. And she was called Australia's worst serial killer, and let's get into why. The first thing that I'm going to talk about is Meadows Law. It's a maxim attributed to British pediatrician Roy Meadow, and it states this. One sudden infant death is a tragedy, two is suspicious, and three is murder until proven otherwise. And again, I'm just going to say SPs, shit potholes, trigger warnings, all of that going forward. So are you saying you're not going to tell us before each one and this is just a whole episode for shit potholes and you should not listen? Pretty much. Okay, great. Yeah. So Can I skip ahead to the next episode? We're going to get right into the children, okay? And there's a reason I'm doing it this way because... Skip ahead. We'll see you next Tuesday. (laughs) Um, So Kathleen Fulbig had four children... Uh Okay. The first one was Caleb. Caleb Gibson Fulbig was born in 1989. Caleb with a K or Caleb with a C? This is very important to me. With a C. Thank you. Yes. Um, February, he was born February 1st and was a healthy full-term baby. 20 days later, Kathleen and her husband, Craig, noticed that he had noisy breathing and had to stop breathing in order to feed. So Kathleen put him to bed that night and later in the morning around 3 a.m., Craig woke up to find Kathleen standing above Caleb screaming, my baby, 
there's something wrong with my baby. Oh my God, why do they always scream that? I don't know. It feels like it's like a script, right? Yes, because let me tell you, when something was wrong with my child, um, maybe it's just me and I'm not good in the emergency situations. The first time, Pod's on Pod Child 3, went into anaphylactics. I didn't scream, my baby, my baby, what's wrong with my baby? I said, oh my God, something's wrong. What should we do? Right. And then it's ambulance, hospital, all of the, and the shot, and the uh, adrenaline. What's it called? Well, EpiPen. We didn't know. We didn't have those. I just put him in the car and drove him to the hospital. Oh, this was before he was diagnosed with a peanut allergy? Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Again, you're just like, oh, shit, what's going on? You go immediately to the ER. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Caleb, again, was on his back wrapped in a rug and I'm, I'm assuming here again this was written um in australian english so i'm assuming it means a blanket okay i'm gonna say not a rug but like a little blanket that was in his crib do um, you want me to find out if rug means blanket please if you me. don't mind because i was like rug um i should have looked that up but i got lazy with that part i was instead like what's happening um he was on his back he was still warm he didn't appear to be breathing. So they called an ambulance. They tried to resuscitate him. But when the ambulance arrived, he was already gone, unfortunately. Um, he only lived a couple of months. Um, he was born and passed in 1989. They diagnosed him with SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, which as we learned on the last episode, now we know happens between zero and six months old normally for children. No, it's actually a carpet. Oh, it is actually a carpet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they, they found him wrapped in a rug. So I don't know if that was like parents trying to keep him warm. I don't know if it was like a, oh my God, and they just grabbed it kind of thing. You know, like it's an emergency situation. I'm sure we all do stupid crap. I mean, like, right. and, you know what I mean? We all do stuff that's like doesn't make sense until later. Like, why did I do that? You know? Yes. So, um, so yeah, he was diagnosed with SIDS. Okay, that's baby one. She had another child named Patrick. Patrick Allen Fulbig was born on June 3rd, 1990. And again, appeared to be healthy baby boy. He slept normally. And this time, Craig took paternity leave to help take care of him because they were so concerned with SIDS happening again. Oh my God, not SIDS. Yeah. So, I mean, and they were really spooked after the first one. I mean, as anyone would be, right? Like, holy shit, my child is no longer here. This is awful. And Craig took that very seriously and stayed home with his wife and was like, okay, I'm going to help take care of the baby. So he took paternity leave? Yep. We don't have that here in America. Nope. We don't have maternity leave either. No, we don't. Nope. I mean, people call it maternity leave, but it's not. It's not provided by the government. No. You have to have your employer provide it. And you're fortunate if they do. Well, it's family medical leave, which is unpaid unless you have to have some vacation time to pay part of it, and then the rest is unpaid. Yeah, which is ridiculous, but anyway. America. Yep. So he slept normally again um, so far, and everything was going well. So Craig went back to work a couple months later. He was like, okay, I think we're out of the danger zone here. Three days after he went back to work. Oh, no, no. He woke up to Catherine. No. Screaming again. No. And found her at the no. end of Patrick's bed. No. Craig performed CPR. No. Yeah. 
And no. and again, baby was warm, called an ambulance. No. They took him to the hospital. They gave him oxygen. You're just going to throw him one-eyed Willie on the floor? I was trying to turn his head around because he didn't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> and it's two-eyed Willie. You're right. He only he has two eyes. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Willie. Sorry, Willie. He's, he's done with this episode. He's like on the floor. I don't like, blame you, Willie. <laughs> Willie's done. I It was tough for me to get through too. So that's why I wanted to get these, through these guys first, this part first, because I was like, okay, let's just get it over with. Um, so at the hospital, Patrick started to improve. He unfortunately had a seizure at the hospital at four and a half months old. Did she do something to him at the hospital? Because you know moms do that. This is true. Not to my knowledge and not to the doctor's knowledge either. There was no evidence of anything happening or being... Because they didn't look for it. Induced. Because they didn't look for it. Wait. I know she did. Wait, wait. You're going to think one thing and then you... Trust me on this, okay? So he was found by a doctor of not being able to breathe with blue lips around 3 a.m. After many tests, pediatric neurologist diagnosed him with epilepsy and cortical blindness. Where is the mom? Um, there was no evidence that she was in and around the child at this time. It was just... Allegedly. <laughs> You're already like, suspect. Don't be... <laughs> so around 10 a.m. on February 13th, 91, Craig receives a call at work from Kathleen saying, it's happened again. And when he got home, ambulance already there, and Kathleen said that she found Patrick in his cot, not responsive, lying on his back. Craig tried CPR again, and they took him to the hospital where he didn't make it. Um, this time, they determined they could find no cause of death, but theorized cardiac arrest. Of course. Of course a baby just goes in cardiac arrest. That makes sense. But he did have epilepsy, so it could have been, you know, an epileptic it, it, yeah, seizure sure. in the middle of the night. Something. Sure it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So next was Sarah. Sarah mm-hmm. Kathleen Fulbig, 1992, October 14th, she was born. This time, they took no chances, and the baby was in the same room as them, sleeping in a cot in the same room. They were like, no, fuck this shit. She's not going to be in some other room or whatever else, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They even got SIDS experts to help them with her care, and they gave them a sleep apnea monitoring bl- blanket, which frequently gave them false alarms. So they, I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently you can have this blanket given to you to detect if a child is not breathing, I guess, or if the heart rate is up or down, and it would basically, like kind of like a baby monitor, go off in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and you go check on the baby. Mm-hmm. But it's giving these false alarms, so it's like, okay, well, how many times are you going to get up and it's nothing? Well, I mean, that even happens with the baby monitors in the hospital, too. Does it? Biggest false alarms. Like, okay, so the pod twins, they were NICU babies, and they had monitors on them mm-hmm. when they were in the NICU for four weeks. And then the oldest pod child, he had to have hernia surgery when he was two months old. Oh, wow. So um, I stayed in the hospital with him at the children's hospital when he had his hernia surgery and of course they have monitors on him and so they come loose especially with babies Mm -hmm. and so the nurses were constantly coming in but I was like I would just reattach them and I was like Nick you mom I just I just stuck them back down and they were like oh we love it when Nick you moms are in here because you know when it's (laughs) 
a false alarm right when it's a real or like okay the the little monitor stickers fell off okay Mm -hmm. so it's common Mm because babies are turning and Mm -hmm. they don't know what's going on and so so those monitors like when the babies are in the hospital they're just stuck to whatever part of their their body with a sticker if it's to their chest or if it's around their little foot or their little hand it's just taped around their little Mm. body parts so those easily can become unstuck Especially when you have to pick the baby up to feed them. It can pop off. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense then if it's a blanket, it's not Mm -hmm. even stuck to a baby. So of course you're going to get like, if the blanket falls off the kid, they're going to be like, the baby's not breathing. It's like, well, because it's not even on the kid. Right, right, right. Got it. Okay. So Kathleen during this time became more frustrated and bad tempered with Sarah. So Craig started to take care of Sarah more. And a couple of nights before her death, they stopped using the monitoring blanket altogether. Um, so they had given Sarah antibiotics from a doctor. I wasn't able to find why they did. I'm assuming she may have been fighting a cold or some, something, something I mean, going on. It's a kid. Babies it's a baby. Get sick. Babies get sick. I mean, she could have had an ear infection. Right. Because babies get ear infections a lot. If you, so if you feed a baby, um, lying down, that's why you're not supposed to give a baby a bottle in their crib at night lying down because they drink and it can back up into their ears and can cause ear infections. Oh, I thought it also because they could aspirate, like could go into their lungs. Is that a thing? Probably. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, because that makes sense. And you tilt her baby up and you put their that's, head that's up. That's why you feed them like this because if oh. you feed them flat when they drink, it'll come back up, but it'll go into their ears and I cause ear infections. I know that. Okay, that makes sense. So she took antibiotics. Okay, around 1.10 a.m., Craig woke up by a light from outside their bedroom door with neither Sarah or Kathleen in the room. So he went back to sleep. I don't know why. If I were Craig, I'd have been like, what's going on? Because, I mean... I've been like, where's my baby? 100%. Like, oh my God, where's the kid? What's happening right now? you know, he's not going to assume that his wife is hurting his child. No. But also, y'all have had two before have unfortunate things happen, so it's kind of like hypervigilance. But at the same time... You gotta be exhausted by this point. Yeah, you got a newborn. You're tired. Yeah. And you don't think your wife is hurting your baby. Just like with um, Homeboy and Deanna Laney. Right. When she said, I'm just changing the baby's diaper, when really she was not changing the baby's diaper. Not doing that, yeah. So um, he woke up again to Kathleen screaming, lifeless Sarah, blah, 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 CPR, ambulance, all of that. Same thing. Unfortunately, she also passed. Again, they determined her de- cause of death was undetermined. And lastly, we'll get to Laura. Laura Elizabeth Folbig was born in 1997, their last child, thank God. Um, and I'm just saying that because, you know, it's poor children, you know, again, it's about the victims. Her and Craig, by this time, had a tenuous relationship at best. Like, we're talking. Their marriage is crumbling. Why does he keep getting her pregnant? I'll well, I'll I'll explain that in later on this episode. Was it God? No, there, there's no Jesus involved in this one. That, to my knowledge, it wasn't a God thing. Um, they're they're obviously not doing well, and obviously they want to save their marriage. And from what I can understand, I believe Kathleen was more like, look. I do want a family. I do want children. I don't know why this keeps happening. 
and here we are. Well, I know why it keeps happening. Do you? You're going to find out. Maybe. (laughs) Because I'm still like, well. Um, So through a lot of coaxing, she convinced him to have Laura. Okay. This time, they did extensive tests on Laura. Like, right out the gate. To check if anything genetic was going on. They did find a mild apnea, but nothing that would potentially hurt her or kill her. They again got the sleep monitor blanket. It reported information to the sister Margaret Tanner of Westmead Children's Hospital. Directly to the hospital, which I think is interesting. Um, it false alarms with this monitor and Craig began to get suspicious that Kathleen wasn't using it and confronted her saying like, Hey, we need to use that. Cause what the hell? I mean, this is like a big deal. You know, she told him that she was watching her daughter and that the machine was driving her crazy, which I mean, as a frustrated mom, I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm, at some point mm-hmm, you're just mm-hmm, like, for mm-hmm, fuck's mm-hmm, sake, mm-hmm. you know, their relationship continued to deteriorate and Kathleen eventually started spending her days at the gym and her nights with friends. So at this point, she's just trying to disconnect from reality. Mm-hmm. From what I could tell, you know. Laura had a cold, right? So they gave her paracetamol and decongestant. Nothing crazy. Kids, cold medicine and kids decongestant. Um, yeah, but uh, you shouldn't give kids those things before a certain age. Like, did a doctor tell them to do this? So Laura was their oldest living child, she was um, over years, one year old, around 20 months or around one and a half, okay. a little over one and a half years old Okay. when this happened. So is that too young to give a little bit of cold medicine and decongestant or? I don't know. I'm just saying, given the history of her other children, I wouldn't give that baby shit. <laughs> right. I'd take it right to the hospital. Here you go. Right. You right, deal right. with it. <laughs> I'd be like, she sneezed. Yeah. <laughs> she burped. I don't know what's going on. You need to fix this, you know, like yes, that's yeah. why I'm asking. No, given for sure. the history, for sure. On March first, nineteen ninety nine, Kathleen took Laura to Craig's work after her morning gym class, and then picked her up and took her back home. Around twelve fourteen, an ambulance arrived at their home. They found Laura, uh, cr- excuse me, Kathleen crying and performing CPR on Laura, who again was warm but not breathing. Again, was trying to resuscitate her. All that same horribleness. This time they did an autopsy because they're like, what is happening? They didn't do an autopsy in any of the other ones. No, because it was either SIDS or undetermined and they felt like, I mean, these parents have been through enough kind of thing, you know? Was it still the 80s though? We're in late 80s, early 90s. So yeah. They shouldn't have done autopsies because like that's when they knew babies didn't die of SIDS that often. So they found that she had myocarditis or an inflammation of the heart and again gave her death an inconclusive status. Um, So she had a swelling of the heart, which is interesting. It's like, that's not something a a normal child would Mm -mm. have. Mm -mm. Okay. So let's get into what actually happened and where the hell did this start? Poison. You think? Yes. Okay. So Kathleen's life... She was born June 14th, 1967 in a Sydney suburb of Annandale to Thomas, John Britton, and Kathleen Mary Donovan. When our Kathleen, I'm going to say our Kathleen because her mom has the same name, was, okay. was 18 months old, her father stabbed her mom to death 24 times. Oh, there's that. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of generational trauma. Even I at 18 mean, months, I mean, that's not a great I mean, way to start a life. You know, that's a thing. He was convicted and sentenced to 15 years because, yeah. 
Kathleen, our Kathleen, was sent to a church orphanage until she was three and then was adopted by a foster family who lived around Newcastle. They didn't tell her her family history until she was an adult, um, which well, had to be I mean, horrendous to find out, which I don't disagree I, with at all. I don't think they should have told her when at she all? was a child. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I agree. I think she, they, they did the right thing by waiting. Yes. And saying, like, look, we have to tell you this and now you're able to understand it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, heads yeah. up, here's what happened to your mom and dad. Yeah. Awful. So in 1982 at 15, she left school and went straight to work at some low-paying jobs she could find. She soon met Craig, who was 25, and at 20, she married him in 1987. So did she meet him when she was 20 or when she was 15? She met him when she was 20 and he was 25. I worded oh. that weirdly. Okay. Yeah. So right. they were only five years apart. I, I was a little bit... A little bit like, oh, gross. <laughs> Craig? Yes. Yeah, no, Craig was a good dude. Okay. By all accounts, Craig was a good dude. Okay, because I was a little... um, <laughs> Like, my red Craig flags went up. <laughs> red Craig flags. I like that. <laughs> but obviously, he was 100% away for her to get out of her situation of course which yeah so she seems like her foster family was like decent to her like it doesn't seem that there was any signs of abuse or anything like that but granted whenever you grow up in a in in even a family like that you're not going to have a stable view of love marriage family children do you know what i mean yeah it's still a little skewed because you're not part of a family right you're part of a family but it's not your it's not family. the same right and it's yeah so um her and craig got married like i said in 87 they settled in the city suburbs and within a year she was pregnant with caleb and then yeah here we are so after the death of their fourth child authorities started to wonder what the fuck was going on so did oh 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 yeah after number four we're gonna now after number four well, we're gonna wonder what's going on we're gonna go Can back we, up here to meadow's law one sudden infant death is a tragedy, two is suspicious, and three is murder until proven otherwise. Can we get Gary on this? <laughs> You're Gary from the last episode? Mm-hmm. Gary don't play. That's true. Um, so Sergeant Bernard Ryan questioned the both of them, of course. Um, Kathleen left Craig after Laura died. She was done. She was like, forget it. Just this whole idea of me having a life and a family, it's not going to happen. Clearly, um... But she left all her stuff at the house. So she just straight up moved out, but without taking her shit. Mm-hmm. My theory is it's, I don't want to be reminded of anything that happened in this house. Like at all. At all. You can have it all. I do not care. I don't want anything to do with this life. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm leaving. That's my theory. Okay. But there uh, was obviously an immense amount of grief between the two of them. Um, and Craig being suspicious, found her private diary and began to read it. Um, And she wanted to have children and, quoting, proved she could do it just like the other woman could. And when she was waiting for a child to be born, we're all waiting, little one, when will you come? So normal shit. Yeah. Normal shit, you know? There were other entries of how hard it was to be a mother and not being able to breastfeed or feeling of abandonment like when she was a kid, when a new baby was born. She was in a family, but never felt like part of it. And that's a quote from the diary. Here's some of the other entries. And these play also into the case. So 
They straight up went through her whole life with this. Well, of course they did. Yeah. She watched a fish swim in a tank and tried to calm herself, quote, I don't know, how do I conquer this? Help is what I want. That Craig would leave her and that she had to lose weight, quoting, Craig's roving eye will always be of concern to me, must lose extra weight or he will be even less in love with me than he is now. I know the physical appearance means everything to him. Got to start changing my life and becoming a hot-looking, energetic mother for my daughter and a sexy wife for my husband. Did he really feel that way, or that's just what she believed? She wrote it in the diary. Who's to say? Who's to say? It's one point of view, you know? Yeah. On isolation. Quote, why is family so important to me? I now have the start of my very own, but it doesn't seem good enough. I know Craig doesn't understand. He has the knowledge and stability and love from siblings and parents, even if he chooses to ignore them. Me, I have no one but him. It seems to affect me so. Why should it matter? It shouldn't. When Craig gained weight, quote, I actually relish in the fact that he has a weight problem now. All the years of him tormenting me have come back to get him. Mm. On trauma, quote, 30 years. The first five I don't really remember. The rest I choose not to remember. The last 10 to 11 have been filled with trauma, tragedy, happiness, and mixed emotions of all designs. If it wasn't for my baby coming soon, I'd sit and wonder again what I was put on this earth for. What contribution have I made to anyone's life? On stress, quote, made her do terrible things and spoke of flashes of rage, resentment, and hatred toward her children. I feel like the worst mother on this earth, scared that she, Laura, will leave me now like Sarah did. I knew I was short-tempered and cruel sometimes to her, and she left with a bit of help. One notable entry that was especially damning at trial was this one, quoting, 9.45 Wednesday, June 11th, 1997 reads, My brain has too much happening, unstored and unrecalled memories just waiting. Heaven help the day they surface and I recall. That will be the day to lock me up and throw away the key. Something I'm sure will happen one day. So I think she did it. Do you think she did it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this is where I'm agreeing with you. I'm like, some of those things sound very much like I'm trying to like get shit off my chest, you know, like I feel guilty for what I've done. But then if I put on the other lens of, you know, she's felt like an outsider in her whole life, her whole life. And then her babies are dying and she's like, why the hell can I just have a normal fucking life? And then whenever her, she's getting frustrated with her children, she didn't get mad at herself because she's getting frustrated with the things she's always wanted. I don't know. See, I felt bad for her up until the whole quote about when she gets frustrated with, with her kids and does things. Go back up and read the quote again. Yeah, it's... Um, the stress one, I think. Mm-hmm. Made her do terrible things. Flashes yes. of rage. Yes. I was like, oh, I feel bad for her. She just can't have the family she always wanted. And then you read that quote. I'm like, she did it. Okay. So let's get into her trial. Okay. After gathering this diary and children's medical records, Detective Ryan felt they'd built enough of a case against her. Now, granted, this is all circumstantial. All of it. Right. There is no direct tie to any sort of abuse or suffocation or anything going on with these children at all. Right, right, right. 
On April 19, 2001, Catherine Megan Fulbig was arrested at her home, taken into custody, and charged with the murdering of her four children. The trial lasted seven weeks, and the prosecution saying their case was that the children were murdered by Kathleen, all based on Meadows Law, essentially, where there's smoke, there's fire, and the defense saying that the children had natural explanations for their death. So let's get into what the defense and the prosecutioners are saying about each of their deaths. So, Caleb. They accused Kathleen of smothering Caleb and that he was not a victim of SIDS, which obviously the defense argued he was. Patrick. They said that Kathleen couldn't handle the death of Caleb and started to show instability. She became more frustrated and angry more often and began to leave Patrick with Craig's sister, or Carol, her name was Carol, um, a neighbor, so she could get away from it all. Oh, excuse me. Leave Patrick with Craig's sister or Carol, the neighbor. Excuse me, Carol's the neighbor, not the sister. Um, Carol had found Patrick when Kathleen called her just as she described, warm, not responsive, but Kathleen wouldn't let her pick him up. Again, they claimed that she smothered him. Because it appeared to others that she moved on so quickly from Patrick's death and wanted another child that this was guilt. Like, let's just get, let's just move on, let's just bury this, essentially. Craig agreed to have another child, but they had to have experts involved this time to care for their next child after Patrick. Okay, third child, Sarah. Kathleen didn't want to use the special monitoring blanket with Sarah, which according to the prosecution showed that she had no pre-existing conditions for anyone to worry about. So her death must have been smothering. So, so the argument's basically saying because she's not using this blanket, it just shows that there's nothing to be worried about, so therefore this is an unexplained death. I mean, not really. No, it's it's. A, I mean, the absence of evidence doesn't mean that there's evidence there. Right. It's a, it's a it's not a good argument. No. So according to them, prosecution, she was even more frustrated with Sarah and had smothered her and placed her back in bed for Craig to find her. Kathleen's note taking works against her. I don't know why she would do this. She put a note on the calendar that said, Sarah left us at 1 a.m. on the day that she died. Why would she do that? I don't know. Why would you ever want to mark that date? Never. Ever. Ever. This, after this, she got more despondent and her relationship with Craig really started to struggle. They separated and reconciled multiple times. And again, 96, they eventually started living together and she wanted to try for another child, which she coaxed him to do, their final child, Laura. After she died, Laura, after her first birthday, their um, first child to reach over the age of one, Craig was despondent and obviously they both separated. This is when he found the diaries and the prosecution concluded that Laura as well was smothered. So one of the more compelling parts of the case was that Craig testified against her for the prosecution. Well, of course he did. Yeah, he straight up was like, eh, F you. No. I would too. So he talked about each death and said that there was this terrifying growl that Kathleen would produce when she got frustrated with the children. This one time with Laura, she held her to her high chair and force-fed her before dumping her on the floor and saying, go to your fucking father, hours before she was dead. Obviously, she was convicted on May 21st, 2003 and sentenced to 40 years in prison with a non-parole period of 30 years. After the trial, Craig told reporters, quote, my humble thanks go to 12 people whom I have never formally met, 
who today share the honor of having helped set four beautiful souls free, free to rest in peace, finally. So, based on that and the evidence, circumstantial as it is, what do you think? What would you have done in that jury? I would have convicted her. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because it's, I mean, it's one thing to get frustrated with a child. I mean, shit, my mom did crap like that to me that I could go to the police over any time. But, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that you kill your child. I don't know. I don't know. I would have enough reasonable doubt to be like, I don't know. Because every, every parent gets frustrated with their kids. Well, yes. Some handle it better than others. Yes. Look at her history. She doesn't have a really good sense of what a mother necessarily is, from what I could tell. Or what she does, or what she doesn't do, or how to discipline children, or family, or, you know. And then when you learn that your father's a murderer, it definitely sets you up to go, holy shit, am I just set up for failure from the get? You know? Mm-hmm. Granted, your actions are your own. You're an adult. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. Mm. I'm telling you, it's that one quote from her diary that does it for me. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So obviously she appealed. Because she's in it. She's like, I'm innocent. I'm not taking a plea. I'm not, I am. Oh, God. See? See? I know. Take the plea, baby. Take the plea. Take the plea. I'm there. How many times? Every time. I know. So this case divided Australia into two camps. Much like us. She did and she didn't. This created a lot of controversy. And in 2018, the New South Wales Attorney General announced an inquiry into her case to, and I'm quoting, ensure public confidence in the administration of justice in response to a petition presented by her supporters. Quoting, the petition appears to raise a doubt or question concerning the evidence as to the incidence of reported deaths of three or more infants in the same family attributed to unidentified natural causes in the proceedings leading to Mrs. Holbig's convictions, he said. In the 500-page report, oh my God, this is why I'm glad I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> released in July 2019, very recently, a former chief judge of the district court found that he did not have any reasonable doubt as to the guilt of Kathleen Megan Folbig for the offenses of which she was convicted. This year, 2021 in March, her appeal was rejected. So, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Okay. New genetic evidence shows that Caleb had a genetic mutation BSN bassoon presynaptic cytomatrix protein, which is linked to early onset lethal epilepsy in mice, likely from Craig. Patrick also had BSN. Sarah had a genetic mutation called 2 mutation carried by Kathleen and altered her heart rhythm predisposing them to heart conditions aggravated by medications such as Sarah's antibiotics. Laura also had the Calm 2 genetic mutation and was aggravated by the cold medicines given to her when she was ill that she died a couple hours later from. This bitch is fucking innocent! All four of these children have genetic so disorders. Are they going to release her now? Her latest? Nope. March 2021, her appeal was rejected. Turns out, literally, she is this unlucky. Wow. All of them had genetic predispositions, and it just so happened that that literally those stars aligned to where they died. Hmm. Right? I was like, what? 
didn't see that coming. Uh-huh. She didn't do it. Wow. She may have written some crazy shit in her diaries, which who among us? I mean, that, that fucking did it for me right there. Like, the diary convicted her for me. Mm-hmm. According to this new evidence... I mean, what attorney, some attorney needs to hop on that because I'm like, I'm about like not convicting people that are innocent. No, 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 for sure. Especially in this case, it literally was genetic mutations for the boys from the father and from the girls from her. Yeah. Which, what is the likelihood of that? This is literally the one in a million case. Yeah. So it sounds to me like no matter what they would have done, it was going to happen. Like, unless they didn't give them those medications. Which, I mean, again, you're going to give a kid a cold medication eventually, and antibiotics eventually. Well, unless they knew they had that mutation, then you would not give them that medication. Of course not. Which, apparently, they did not know that. And they even had genetic testing done, but again, this was late 80s, early 90s. It's not yeah. like today. Where, right. It's, I mean, it was different. Totally. Te- like, way different. Good job. Didn't see that coming. Right? I was like, oh my God. So I'm in we the camp that she's innocent. We have an innocent one, y'all. She not the cunt. Yeah. Turns out genetics are, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. Please take us away from this. Okay, because I got happy news. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> so happy. Can we? Lillian Joanne Lyles White. Who is this? She was born in Le Comte, Louisiana on September 12, 1929. Ooh. She was the eighth child out of 12 to Samuel and Marie Lyles. Oh my God, y'all. Joanne and her siblings were raised on the Compromise Plantation in Lloydsbridge, Louisiana. Joanne's parents were sharecroppers for many years and eventually leased and operated a 800-acre farm Whoa. that was one of the most productive cotton farms in the South. Whoa. The Whites never owned their own home or their land because they believed the most important inheritance they could leave their children was a college education. Oh. And this was in the 30s, mm-hmm. 30s mm-hmm. I would say? Mm-hmm. Nice. As a child, Joanne was the president of the local 4-H club in high school. And this was a time of Jim Crow laws and the KKK. But many of her closest friends and playmates were the children of African-American sharecroppers. So it shouldn't surprise anyone that at a young age, Joanne became an advocate for civil rights. A cause she supported her entire life. Yeah. She graduated from Lecomte High School in... At the age of 16. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And in 1950, she graduated from Louisiana State University with a bachelor's degree in speech and social studies. Wow. She's like blasting through school. Mm-hmm. After she graduated from college, she accepted a teaching position at Bolton High School in Alexandria, Louisiana. She worked there from... Uh, I bet 1650. 1950. <laughs> You're like, yeah, no. <laughs> Not 1650, y'all. <laughs> 1950 to 1962 as the world history, American history, government, economic, and speech teacher. Whoa. I know. They had to do double do. <laughs> yeah. She's like doing a little bit of everything there. She like, she like, what is it? HBI. What is, what would even. Head bitch and child. HBIC. I haven't heard that one. I like that. HBIC. 
allowed to use that. That's great. <laughs> she, so um, she was also the speech, speech and debate team coach. So she taught all those classes, and then she was also the speech and debate team coach. Because she wasn't, you know, f- yeah. full up yeah. by any means. No. Okay. Y- you wanted her to be her your kid's teacher. Yeah. She was also instrumental in creating a statewide forensic circuit, and she founded and became the first president of the Louisiana High School Speech League and Tournament of Champions. Whoa! Yeah. So she sh- don't mess with Joanne. She's spreading the knowledge. Don't mess with Joanne. She was the she wanted you wanted Joanne to teach your kids because she cared about the kids and wanted them to have the best education possible. Because it was an honestly instilled at a young age for her too by her family. Yes. Which I love. Like they could have owned this eight hundred acre farm, but yeah. they leased it because they wanted to use their money to educate their twelve children. Wow. Which is God bless twelve kids. This was like right at the cusp of women starting to use birth control for that exact reason. They were like, mm-hmm. this is not sustainable. So April 30th, 1951, Joanne married Paul Donald White Sr. and they had six kids. Ooh. But Joanne's entire life, she was an advocate for poverty stricken and dispossessed, which is homeless. Um, the homeless, single mothers, orphan children, and the disabled. In 1989, Joanne was one of the founding members of Hope House. What's Hope House? Why does it sound familiar? Hope House is a homeless shelter for women, mothers, and their children. She arranged for the donation of his historic home on Bolton Avenue, and she raised private and public funds to renovate and operate the shelter. The Hope House was selected by President George H.W. Ooh, Daddy, jo- Daddy George. To receive the Thousand Points of Light Award. What is the Thousand Point of Light Award, you ask? I actually was asking that in my brain. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you. All right. Because that's what I do. <laughs> so during President Bush's administration in January 1990, he formally recognized more than 1,000 volunteers as Points of Lights. He advocated that Points of Lights demonstrated how a neighbor can help a neighbor. This award is now administered by the point, the Points of Light. Points of Lights is a nonprofit foundation created in May of 1990 as a response to the president's call to action. It's actually not a bad thing that he did. If we're going to talk about HW, we're going to give this in the win column, the good job column. Mm-hmm. We're going to leave the rest. Gold star. Gold star. Gold star for you. Although, Barbara, if you didn't know this, was a huge advocate for abortion rights. Barbara. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. She was... <clears throat> After Joanne's second grandchild was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, she didn't just sit there. Did you think Joanne would just no. sit there? No. She seems like a very, like, go get him, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Kind of person. So she created Angel Care. Okay. Angel Care is an early childhood development center that um, provides networking opportunity and resources for families with mentally or physically challenged children. Hmm. She was also the um, co-designer of the Aiken Operational School, which is an alternative school program to help students who are at risk of dropping out or, or have already dropped out. In addition, she helped create the Kumba Center, an inner center 
education, probably an inner city, education and recreational institute. Damn. So that's a lot, right? And she couldn't have done any more? Oh, yeah, no. She's good. She's no, all no, full no. up, right? We're good? No, no, no. 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 What? She's done more. How have I never heard of this person? We don't live in Louisiana. Valid. In 1983, she became the founding member of the Shepherd Center. Okay. The Shepherd Center is a group of 29 churches that work together to assist the poor and homeless. As a part of the Shepherd Center... Joanne created the Christmas Cheer for Children's program, which provided computerized cooperative aid to over 4,000 children annually. She's a founding member of the Rapids Parish Chapter of Habitat for Humanity. She's an executive committee woman for the Job Training Partnership Act State Council. She's a chairperson of the State Committee on Illiteracy and Education a chairperson of the Rapids Parish Workforce Investment Board, a founding member of the Central Louisiana Food Bank. She worked at the governor's office in the Department of Corrections to spearhead and chaired a task force that investigated the treatment of incarcerated women and juveniles. Dude, okay, hold up, hold up. Look at me. Give me one hot minute. Where does she find the time? Like, I can barely fold laundry, and I work from home. So what the fuck? What the fuck? Where does she find the time? She's passionate about this. I mean, I'm not saying, like, what? That's incredible. Like, how do you... So do you think she did these things and not win win awards? I mean, come on. Let me tell you about the awards she's gotten. She's gotten the National Association of Social Workers Public Citizen of the Year Award. Wow. The Lions Club Outstanding Citizen Award. Louisiana Methodist Church's Children and Family Services Award, the Young Women's Christian Association Outstanding Community Leader Award, the Zeta Pi Delta's Outstanding Community Leadership Award, the Sojourner Truth Award, oh shit, the Central Louisiana Professional Women's Network Visionary Award, the Sinla Focus Sinlarian of the Year. And she has also been commended by Louisiana Department of Safety and Corrections, Louisiana Department of Education, the State Board of Elementary and Secondary Education, the Rabbits Parish Police Jury, and the Alexandria Human Relations Commission. Whoa. Is she still alive? Um, I think so. 29? Yeah, yeah, she could definitely still be alive. She'd be in her, like, 80s by now. Right? Mid-90s? No. Yeah, she'd be in her 90s. Yeah, because we're at 2021. Yeah, she'd be, like, 90, what? One? Something like that, two? Damn, that's incredible. So this woman not only gave back, like, yeah, okay, I'm going to get a college degree and stuff. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Love you guys. But, like, holy crap. She also gave back to everybody possible that she could she saw a hole in society and was like oh no we gotta ha- definitely have a moment for this person this person this person she passed away in 2011 oh but yeah. damn what a life how do you fit all this stuff in there that's incredible holy crap well well done what a cool louisiana person 
I know. We knock on Louisiana here in Texas a lot. Do we? I think Oklahoma more. Well, at least I give Oklahoma more shit. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, we always pretend like we're not the South. Girl, we just uh, we just South as hell. Like, don't don't play. We so South right now. Ugh, yes, don't we know it? I'm living, breathing the hardcore South right now <laughs> in my life. <laughs> but where did you find her? Um, it's a secret. Oh, we're gonna do this thing again where you're not gonna tell me where you found. Fine. Fine. I could tell you, but you're going to give me a really hard time. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, that's incredible. I, I found know. her on Wikipedia. I'm not going to give you a hard time for that. Because I, I always make fun of you on Wikipedia. You do. And then you've converted. Same with Reddit. And then you've converted. Here's so. the thing, though. Yeah. Please tell me the thing. <laughs> I may have found this Wikipedia that lists people. And I find the people. And then I research them somewhere else. Oh, yeah. No, that's not. Yeah. Okay. I don't use Wikipedia as my actual source. Right. You always look for a couple other sources. Yeah, I do the same thing. I may start on Wiki, like, okay, cool, this gives me, like, the dates or the outline. And then I go, okay, but then I need other news articles and I need other, like, sources. Heads up, throw some some cashish Wikis away, by the way, guys. I know it seems, like, super lame and tedious, but they actually do provide a lot of information. Not just for us, but, like, for a lot of people. And, hey, knowledge is power, man. Yeah, I mean, my thing with Wikipedia is that um, anybody can go on there and add information. Yes. You so have, I don't know that it's true. Yeah, you also have to cite sources. And if it's unsighted, you have to put that it's unsighted. You do. And, and people do go through and correct it. Granted, of course, it's not a perfect system, which is why we back it up with other information. But what a get, man. Way to take us... Out of the hole that exists with Kathleen. I know. I tried. No, it's good. I tried. It's good. No. Interesting. I think both of these people raise, what are you doing with your life? Concerns. You know, Kathleen was questioning it and... I mean, I wish I was Joanne. I wish I could say I didn't. Same. Even one of those things. Same here. I am also the same. But that's a good episode. I'm a loser. No, you're not. That's how I feel. That's how I feel after I do my star moms. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> that's okay. We're gonna we're gonna find our own and then be star moms ourselves. Well, I won't be a mom, but you know what I mean. I mean, you know what? You know what we do? Mm. Every Saturday we support three different nonprofits. On our social medias. That's true. We actually do throw out some some love to... Which... Oh. Housekeeping. Yes. If anybody out there has a nonprofit mm. suggestion, something that you know of that maybe is local to you or non-local or thinks that needs to be highlighted, mm-hmm. let us know. Yeah. Send us an email. Send us a DM. We will gladly throw it up there. Yeah, please. Absolutely. And we do actually read all our DMs, just so you know. Like, we actually read them. We don't have, like, a team of people. Or we don't have people. We are we, the people. We Yeah, we're editors or producers. We're researchers. We're everything. So, yeah, please let us know. That's a great idea. I yeah, love that. I mean, if it's something... I don't care how small, how big, whatever. Um, 
let us know. We'll throw it up there. See if we can get you some donations. Mm -hmm. Or even if there's no donations, just bring it to light. Bring it to other people's knowledge and yeah. awareness. You never know. People might be around you who may be able to volunteer and help out. So yeah. That's a great piece of housekeeping. Yep. We're going to leave it on that. That's a good note. Okay. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.